Introducing Pocket Cast, the powerful podcasting platform recognized by Wired Magazine as the podcast app every iPhone user needs and by the New York Times as the favorite among podcast experts. Pocket Cast is beautifully designed, easy to use, and helps you quickly discover and enjoy your favorite podcasts with over 700,000 shows to choose from. Download the app, now free at pocketcast.com. Hello and welcome to Flintoff Savage and the Bing Pong Guy. That's me, Matthew Side. Some more meaty topics. We're going to talk Sandpaper Gate, sporting humiliations, and some of the charity work we've done. Remember, you can use the hashtag FredSavSide to suggest future topics. But before we get going, let's talk about what we normally talk about, which is what we've been up to over the last week. And Robin, Fred, you have had big weeks. Yeah, we have, Matthew. Mine's gone from the ridiculous to the sublime, I would suggest, <laughs> and, and the other way around. Yeah, that's the way, right way around. What, sublime to the ridiculous? No, ridiculous to the sublime. Mm-hmm. It's Just a normal week, then. <laughs> <laughs> Finishing the week yeah. sublimely with sport relief, but I want to start with yep. what happened to me on Monday. What happened? Which is, I would say, the most... Sublime? No, ridiculous. Ridiculous <laughs> abuse... I've oh, ever, oh, yeah. ever suffered no, whoa, 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 whoa. in my life. Ever? Ever. You was a footballer. You played yeah. at Birmingham. You played at Blackburn. You yeah. played at Leicester. Yeah. played for Wales. You're Robbie Savage. Yeah. And this... And Titoff. Is Titoff. <laughs> this is the more... This is the... This is, this is, this this is, is not going to be good. uncalled for, I think, abuse I've had. So, basically, I picked Stanley up. I was going to watch um, a game of football. Mm-hmm. So, I've come off the motorway, pulled to the junction... This car went past me, pulled up at the traffic lights about a mile later, two lanes. So I was on the outside lane. This car pulled in the inside, and he was staring at the car. So I said to Stanley, there's a gentleman next to us who's staring at us. And I thought, Stan said he's looking at the car. Um, so Which one were you in? My wife's car. <laughs> yeah. My wife's car. Um, so, so it, was, it wasn't like the Mini? Or it wasn't no. like looking at the Mini thinking, oh, no, is no, it him, no, is it no, him? No, yeah, yeah, no, no, it wasn't the Mini. So anyway, the lights changed, he pulled in front, and then all of a sudden he put his window down, spat into the air. He could have just been spitting out the window. I don't know where he was spitting at, but it was... Well, Jeremy Carragher-esque, or just a spit? Or spit out into yeah, the air. I, so it, it was windy, it could, it could have blown back. Anyway, I thought, well, that was strange. So I said to Stanley in the passenger, just film this, Stan. Anyway, Stanley forgot. So, <laughs> like he's yeah. this morning, yeah, exactly. and he's not here this morning. He's, he's, Stanley's not even he's here. Not, but he's clocked forward because we are recording a little bit earlier today. Yeah. So anyway, we then get to the next traffic light, and you can turn left or you can turn right. Or you can go straight on. So this gentleman decides to turn left. I thought, wow, this is going to be interesting. Into the training ground of Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, goes to security, and then the next bit is into the actual training ground and you can go you have to go left so hang on this fella who's had a spit yeah you're going to Manchester United training ground yeah. he's driven in before you yeah wow. yeah so I thought this is going to get interesting anyway <laughs> yeah so I said Stanley this, this could yeah. be interesting so this gentleman then stopped and it was like a tight narrow lane in the training ground so I had to pull outside of him so I stopped my car and put Stanley's window down the passenger seat and said, Are you all right, mate? Because he'd put his window down at this point and he looked at me and he's gone, Wow, 
thought it was you. You are an absolute X, Y, and Z, and you have got. You must have a small. Um, you see your nose. What? You saw your nose. <laughs> no, <laughs> Ma- manhood. Manhood. I went pardon. So, so this is so, after he's recognised you. Yeah. So yeah. So how, old, how old is this man? Is he? Is he a proper man? Over fifty. I, I, I was. Yeah. I don't know how old he was. Wow. Over fifty. Gosh. So he said, you must have a small manhood. And I, I thought, you must have cameras in my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so I, I said, wow, wow. I said, what, well, why? He went, you were tailgating me all the way. I said, pardon? I was tailgating you. He said, yeah. And then he launched into this abuse. He, he said to me and Stanley, I wiped the pair of you out. Like, what? Yeah, what? honestly, yeah, properly. You not see Stanley? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Proper raging. Anyway. Like, the most abuse, it was swearing, it was this, it was that. So anyway, I then put the window up and said, listen, mate, I, I basically told him to do one, yeah? So as I pulled off, he then tried to race me in the inside and then, like, was coming across me. So I had to slam the brakes on, yeah, which I've, I've got on security cameras. He then pulls into the car park and I thought, right, what I'll do, I'll park out the way. So I parked about 30, 40 foot away. Get out of the car. So I said, Stan, film. Stan forgot again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Stanley walks behind me. So as I'm walking, he then comes through the cars and approaches me in the car park and launched into this verbal abuse again and said, you know, I always thought you were a knobhead, you know, mm. um, on a, now, you know. <laughs> so there's no, nothing warranting this. It's he just... said I was tailgating him, right. which I, I wasn't. No. Listen, I wasn't. And even if I was, the the, the, the abuse I got was ridiculous. Anyway, it comes to the point where and then, you know, what can I have done, Fred? You had the situation a couple of weeks ago when somebody slapped you. You know, my I was raging. My head had, my head had fallen off. I was absolutely raging with it. You know, I was I wanted to mm. fight. I did. I did. But I, I said to the guy, listen, you know, I'm in a position where I can't do anything. I can't do a thing. You know you're hammering me. I just had to take it. Yeah. And then as we go into the training ground, I opened the door for him. And um, you said, open the door for him. Yeah, yeah. Listen, listen. Wait, did you make him a brew as well? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> no, I did. We yeah. just showed you. That. Yeah, you're a good man. And he went. Yeah. He went. He went. No, after you. He said, I don't trust you. I said, what? I said, mate. Anyway, then he goes in to the training ground into a room. I thought, wow, this is strange. So then I go and watch my son. He's only linesman in the game. He's the linesman. The linesman. Wow. In the game. When he when he was confronting you, Rob. Yeah. Did you think at any point I'm losing my rag here? This guy yeah. is, is his provocation yeah. and I'm going to show him. Do you know what? if I'd have if listen, if I'd have launched if we'd had a fight, mm. if I'd have if I'd have lost my head and it was exploding and I'd have punched him, my I'm I'm, I'm finished. Mm. Robbie hits over 50 linesmen. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's ridiculous. It's you, true. You, but but I tell you what, I'd have been at every right to have a, to to have Two of him. But look, I, how is it possible? It's ridiculous. That an assistant, a linesman for a youth game, somebody who's supposed to be responsible, somebody who's supposed to be able to deal with difficulties and controversies in a clear-headed way, he got that angry about... T- Do you think it was genuine anger or that he was thinking, if I can provoke Robbie Savage, if he question. has a go at me, it'll be, end up on front page oh, of this, the newspaper? Also, where, where did he think you were going? I, I had no he must, idea. He knew where you were, must have known where you were going. Exactly. This is the this is this is the worry. But the worry Carrington, isn't it? the worrying thing was as well that in the car in the car with the abuse, he said, "I've seen you at um, the school your boys go to." Obviously, I mm. went, "Really?" Anyway, 
to cap it off. So I've said to him, I've got home, told, my, told you, told my wife what had happened. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, that my boy had a tournament the next day at school. And he was only there as well. No. And my, wife, my wife sent me a picture. So wow. yeah, so he, he was ref in, in the tournament. And I just, listen, I've got to say, and I, for the gentleman concerned, in the game, he was great. He was great with the kids. He It was not a problem. So mm-hmm. I couldn't understand the two different personalities. So it, he lost it, basically. He, he, he lost it. Listen, complete, Matthew, the red I don't know descended. the guy's circumstances. He yeah. might have had a tough day. He might have... Pro- I, I don't know what. And listen, he might be a fantastic fella. He, I, I don't know him and I don't know who he is. But I've got to say, on that occasion, it was the worst abuse I have ever had in my life. And it What's was he called? Don't know. Oh. Don't know. A disgrace, Fred. An absolute disgrace, what? Matthew. So that was the start of my week. Yeah, Fred. Did you get any better? <laughs> yeah, it got better. Good. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, me, I've had a busy week. Yeah. Um, fat Friends and Musicals been yeah. in Manchester. <laughs> Hence well, a bit hoarse. It? Yeah, it's been brilliant. Best crowds we've had. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Hoarse, yeah. yeah. Best crowds we've had. Um, absolutely bonkers. Monday yeah. night. Monday night, they usually start off a bit a bit timid and then by end of week, they're at it. But Monday, they started off like a train and it was all week. Getting echoed, getting shouted at, getting you know, always get your kids off. Somebody said, didn't they? Get me kids off. Yeah, wow. Yeah, get me kids off. At the end of the week, I've got to say, last night driving home from from the, I mean, the tough thing happened to me this week, and and my family. My dad got very ill. Oh no! So I was in hospital with him all day yesterday. An infection. He's about to turn eighty. He got very confused, and it was it was quite tough. The care at the hospital, Royal Barts Hospital, the acute medical unit was yeah. unbelievable. And a shout out to NHS. NHS. Yeah. Um, Is he okay? Well, he's 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 not well, Robbie. I haven't mentioned it before on the podcast, but he's had a couple of other infections where he's had to, he's had to go into hospital into A and E, and they say that when you get old and you get an infection, it's much more likely you start to get confused because really? you haven't got that amount of energy left. And it was really tough yesterday with him, but I was blo- I was on my own with him all day, and and it was just incredible to see. You know, Molly, this nurse, and Raphael, who was another nurse, they were just so patient and kind, and it, it, it was just very moving. And I drove back to, to Richmond last night so I could come into London to do the podcast. I'm not in Manchester today. But this was the high point of the week. <laughs> Two things happened. One, I'm listening to Five Live, Roberto's on, and I forgot it was 6.06. So this is on the Saturday night. And I was thinking, hang on a second, is Robbie presenting this show? And I know he's presented before, but I'd never actually heard him present. And he was absolutely, I hate to admit it, because we normally hammer each other on this show, he was absolutely brilliant, the way he handled the calls, thrown to the news, the guests, really, really good. Then I got home and I watched you, Fred, on Sport Relief. And I'd had it on catch-up. And I looked down on Twitter, somebody shouted, you said at the audience that in Manchester shouted, get your kit off. I'd never heard of this acronym before, DILF. It was all over Twitter. A DILF, a DILF. Have you heard of this? What's that mean? I'm not saying it. I can't Um, say it on air, but he's hot. I'd have him get your (laughs) kit. So you're wearing this suit in a waistcoat. (laughs) Kathy, sitting next to me on the sofa, said, I haven't seen Freddie Flintoff look that good. Oh, no. Well, well, I don't know what to say, Matthew. It's a little bit awkward, this. (laughs) A DILF. DILF. What's that like, a dickhead? <laughs> <laughs> how, how was it? Because it's, you know, this is presenting what, I, BBC One yeah. live, massive show. I, it's, it's been a strange week, to be honest, because um, th- Thursday night I did the show, Vat Friends. Yep. Um, and then during the show, funny you talk about infection, I got one in my hand. 
And during the show, I felt my hand getting sore and sore and swollen. It started tracking up my arm into my armpit. So after the show, I went to hospital. I took myself to hospital, to Withenshaw. And I was going to say exactly the same thing about the NHS staff. Really? It was unbelievable. You go in, they look after you. Yeah. I was a little bit embarrassed about going in because sometimes when you go to A&E, unless you're pouring with blood yeah. or yeah, you've got true. something broke, you think you shouldn't be there. So I was explaining, I was saying, look, the only reason I've come, I was trying to, because I've got this sport leave tomorrow night. And so I was in there a couple of hours and the staff mm-hmm. were amazing. Um, check me out. Do an infection in your hand. I got an infection in my hand. It was tracking up my arm. I've had blood clots before, so I was a bit concerned. Yeah, yeah. I could barely pick my arm up, but looked after us. So I got home, spoke at a breakfast at eight o'clock on Friday morning. I got wow. in about three. And then I had fat friends on Friday. And then the good thing is, I think because my week's been so busy, I've not had time to think. And I was turning up to Sport Relief and Clyde who we did the tour with, he's a producer on Sport Relief, was in the car. And it dawned on me, I said to him in the car, I said, this is quite a big show, this, isn't it? Because <laughs> I was I was looking on, online, and there's only about five presenters. And I said, this is quite a big big deal, this, isn't it, Sport Relief, like, as a show to present for your first Massive, one live yeah. on telly. Yeah. Massive. So I turned up, and I was flagging a little bit. I was a little bit tired. Mm. So I had half a pint of coffee with eight sachets of coffee in there. <laughs> half a pint of coffee. <laughs> so I've, I've necked this coffee, and just yeah. as I've got it down, I've got it in my ear, Fred, you've got 30 seconds, where are you? So I had to run all round backstage. I get to the top of the steps, the two doors are open, and I stood next to Davina. I realised I've got my phone in my pocket. So I pulled my phone out of my pocket, I just threw it um, somewhere to the right, it started going downstairs. That happened just before you went down the stairs? Because I saw yeah. you looking to the right. I was trying when... to get rid of my phone, right, because <laughs> I was in a rush. And then, as I'm coming down the stairs into the boxing ring for the opening link, everything's caught up with me, running round. I've started to sweat. The coffee's kicked in. So <laughs> I'm doing my first link, and I've started watching Megan Trainor trying to... And I've started dancing, so I've started sweating up. So Donald did my makeup. He's patting me head and trying to get me... But sorry, I didn't really have any time to be nervous. And I got I got my first link out of the way and felt um, a lot better about it. Um, you did a great job, Emma. Fantastic. But do you know the nice thing about it is, is sport relief. Obviously, all the money it's raised mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's a fun night. But I think in some ways, the pressure's on because there's a big audience and it's this, mm-hmm. that and the other. But it's also off in some ways. Yeah. Because it's, it's not about you. It's about, it's about the show. It's about raising money. You know, you know, people are watching, which is fine. Um, but I really enjoyed it, actually. Davina was amazing. Mm-hmm. Just looked after us all the way through. Um, but I fell over a pyrotechnic. <laughs> I tripped over again? a pyrotechnic again. <laughs> I have to be careful with them. I kept fluffing my lines. I, I tried to say a line about Robbie. It was about he's playing football for 12 hours. Usually it takes Robbie 12 hours to pluck his eyebrows. <laughs> I couldn't say eyebrows, but... Yeah, it, it was good, and I think it was something to be a part of was amazing. Fantastic. And, Robbie, you're saying you got to a, a sublime moment at the end of the week. You're talking sport relief as yeah, well. Yeah, sport relief. So the um, the 12-hour five live aside, you know, out just in front of the BBC here, mm. you know, I've got to say, Matthew, my body is now really struggling. I might have to go for an extra on my foot. I think I might have done a metatarsal. Um, I really can't even put my weight on my right foot hardly. So, you know, what you put your body through to, to raise money... Um, and it's amazing once again that you, you know, you you do all this stuff for for charity for great causes, and the first couple of tweets you get are people hammering you, which is like amazing. No, to think really? Of, yeah, to think of probably the linesman, the, the idiots out, the idiots out there. But you know, my team was amazing. You know, some I, of them were, some of them were, 
Some of them. I, I've, I've got a bone to pick with one of them. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. I know him well. He caps him. He's got a false head of her. Uh, no, no. Oh. Who do you think he is? <laughs> Who do you think he is? Uh, Michael Vaughan. Yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> he's got a great, he's got I'm a great goal. I'm not bothered because I heard on the grapevine he had six massages. <laughs> get off the massage table. I heard on the grapevine that he popped in for a, a couple of hours and then came back just to be at one shot. Oh, no, that's, that's why. Oh. That's why I, I, heard he, I heard he was just hanging around and then didn't do much. And then cameras are on and he, he's. <laughs> He did a David May at United. <laughs> that's harsh, mate. That's harsh. Wish you have told me. He said, look at his face here. The, um, I've got to say, Matthew. Go on, say it. The, um, the, um, the effort from everybody involved, um, Sam Quirk, um, Rachel Yankee, Kirsty Gallagher, mm-hmm. Harry Judd, you know. Michael Vaughan a little bit. Michael Vaughan. <laughs> you know, when you were there. You know, everybody who, was, who took part, you know, the idea was I had to play the twelve hours. You know, all the rest could come on and off, and um, it was. Did you? It was so very difficult. You was on hours, for yeah. a full twelve. I had one um, toilet break for about three or four minutes. Number but... one or number two? <laughs> Just trying to gauge how long yeah, your break was. Number one. Um, and because you're playing on concrete, Matthew, and, and the, the flooring they put down is very, very thin. The impact on your feet yeah. and my body. You know, this is when all the years of broken legs, broken neck, knee and in, knee injuries come back to you, and. I don't think some people realise that you know what you put your body through to raise money. Demanding, yeah. Demanding, and well, that's I, I do it. I do. I do it again and again. That's my third challenge now. You know, hopefully, I haven't got this total from this one, but that's probably about two million pounds over three challenges really? well, I've raised with with other people, and uh, you know, so this. That's quite a good way to talk about charity. Well, it's a Matthew, good way to it? get into t- topic number yeah, one. I, th- I think, do you know when they send the money over to these foreign countries? Yeah. They're going to send a video of Robbie playing football <laughs> to show them what you've been through. And these, <laughs> these people are going to be saying, oh my word, I can't believe it. I can't, I can't believe he's done that for us. He's played football for 12 hours. I've got to walk three days to get some water. But Robbie Savage, he's put himself out there. It's on, con- it's on concrete as well. But the- he's done it on concrete outside the BBC and he's even got a pool in Metatarsal. See, well, you I want to appreciate it. You know him, Matthew, don't, don't you? Hey? You know what I mean. I'm joking, Rob. No, that's Jeez. brilliant. But, uh, topic number one, let's go through some of the ridiculous, funny, extreme things we've done for charity. Because I was conscious, Fred, that night you drank... If anyone didn't see Sports Relief on Saturday night, you drank a was it a pint of gravy? Do you know why? Yeah. No, because didn't was, you see it? There was this oh. there was this segment about making Davina a bit more northern, so we got a flat cap on her and off pot, and then <laughs> brought out a pint of gravy. So I had a swig of it. I like gravy, so I just swigged the gravy, <laughs> doing my link. But you know the worst thing about it was there was this massive her in it. So oh. I was live on telly, and I had a mouthful oh. of gravy, and then it's a pull like this her oh. out. Yeah. What? Yeah, they put it on. Oof, oof. But Ugh. no, it was fun. But joking aside, with what Rob did, it was it was unbelievable. It was hard. It was hard. Uh, but but, it, but the thing about it is the, the thing. The nice thing about sport relief on a night like that is that everyone turns up. There's a real nice buzz to it because everyone's yeah. just getting on with it. Everyone's yeah. mucking in. You speak to people you wouldn't necessarily speak to. Yeah. And then they get the guys who've done the challenges on. Like I I was in awe of Zoe Ball. I thought she was. Amazing. That was an amazing segment. Because, well, the thing is, because it's mental health, yep. it's something which is close to me, to be on there yeah. mm-hmm. and see her face, because what's happened to her mm-hmm. with a boyfriend um, committing suicide yep. is still very raw. Mm-hmm. And then to see 
over a million pounds raised. Yeah. And to be there for that was, was something special because she's absolutely amazing. The, the, the toughest thing I'd done, which I, well, I'd never actually finished, was Kilimanjaro. That was, you mm-hmm. know, because I am um, associated with a, with a bookmaker. Um, how, how, long did, how long did it get take you to get to the top of Kilimanjaro? Yeah, well, I didn't actually get there. Um, did you, what, why? Was it well, short? Out of shoe sickness. Out of shoe out of shoe sickness. Out of shoes on. Sickness. Out of shoe sickness. So you could get to the top. Yeah, but I, I was I, that the year Cheryl Cole got to the top. No, that was that was before me. Um, but did I've you got, not did you not think as you were getting up there that girl with them roses on her ass has done this and I can't do it? It was quite embarrassing, really. That you know when I was going down, there was like I think there was twenty three. Um, People from Leicester going on the way way what? up. You had to pass them. <laughs> yeah, I had to pass them on the way down. They were, oh, that's Robbie Savage there coming Robbie down, Savage. getting carried down. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting carried down yeah. by a Sherpa. By a Sherpa too. A four foot eight Sherpa with you on his well, shoulders. Well, it, was, it was hard to what take. What were the symptoms of altitude sickness? Um, so dizziness. Yeah, it felt like my head was going to explode. Um, sickness. Um, <laughs> coughing up pink. Yeah, coughing up pink liquid. Honestly. Wow. It was horrific, I've got to say. So you you climb for so many thousand feet. Like over, how over, far over, did you get up? Over three or four days. <laughs> and not and getting any three quarters, three quarters. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you, you have to go down. You have to get below 3,000 feet as quickly as you can. So they rush you down. Um, and then I went to a... I think it was a five-star hotel for three days when everybody else finished it. <laughs> recovering. Um but it was for you know it's for responsible gambling, Matthew, because obviously you know yep. it's important to 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 tell people about if if they do gamble responsible uh, gamble responsibly, yeah. you know. So that was a that was a good thing I'd done. So that was but very, that was, very it, was, it was nearly a good thing. Nearly, yeah, it was only me. <laughs> you only Ma- got that last quarter. <laughs> but they say they say if you if you're overweight, if you're a smoker, you've got more chance of getting to the top because. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Take me half an hour. That's what they say. I think. I think there's a science. Is there a science behind it, Matthew? Because because I was an athlete, my lungs would have needed more oxygen when I played. You know, my my lungs would be used to more oxygen. Mm -hmm. So, the less oxygen you're used to, the the better chance you have of got getting up to the top. I'm. I'm, I don't know. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, it sounds plausible, Rob. Does it? yeah, I think that's yeah. right. I but might be wrong. It also sounds serious. I mean, if you're yeah. coughing up pink liquid, oh Matthew, altitude sickness—you can die from it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> me and Fred have got so little. You can. You can. That was obviously serious. And yeah. That's... Obviously, I was. I wanted to stay and I wanted to get to the top, but yeah. I was. I was told I can't. I wasn't allowed. Was it like a walker? She must have been a walker. Shame on the way. It was. <laughs> was it like you, you go to Pleasure Beach and then someone's queuing <laughs> and it's a massive ride and they get to the front and they get there and they think, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't go on that. And then you've got that. You've got that. Oh, the yeah, dignity of walking past the rest of the queue as an adult and everyone's pointing, going, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. To be fair, it. it was when John and Mike, the year we were 74 and 78, said, I'll see you, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> With a fag in his mouth. <laughs> it was 28 stone. <laughs> that, was, that, that wasn't great. You, you've got your foundation, haven't you? I used to. Used to. I, I did the foundation, didn't I? We, um, I had a testimonial year in 2006. Yeah. And I gave some money to charity through that. You raised over a million pounds, didn't you? All yeah. Um, but then we set the charity up afterwards and we built this unit at Older Hair Children's Hospital, um, mm. physio and rehab. We built, well, we did Birmingham and then we gave like 1.3 million to Great Ormond Street. 
But it was, it was good. But we, I cycled from Athens to London. That's right. Which was ridiculous. Wow. Um, we didn't do a direct route. We went through the Alps. Um, and I'd not been on a bike. I didn't train. <laughs> I just thought it was just pedaling, innit? So the first few, the first week through Greece was awful. I was probably about 18 stone, just sweating on a bike. And then went through the Alps and got fit on the way around. But I used to refuel with about 10 pints every night. It was Because it was because every night you're hosting a dinner, aren't you? The dinner's every night. Mm-hmm. So some nights you were getting in at two, then you were back on the bike at six. <laughs> you refueled with 10 pints. It was, it was hardcore, um, but I enjoyed it. And then the nice thing, well, I did the mental health stuff and still involved with that, but sport release has been something I've been involved in every time now. I've done a few challenges. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we, we have a laugh at Rob and we, we, we have a go at him. But it was, it was amazing what you did. Yeah. That's amazing. I just think it's humbling to be in a position where, you know, we I do get a lot of stick, but do you know what? And when you get tweets having a go at you. Unbelievable. The, is is ridiculous, really. But yeah. I'm in a, I'm in a position where well, the three of us are that we can we can affect people's lives by mm-hmm. giving up our time. And mm-hmm. you know, it's humbling to think that you know these programs we used to watch as as on the TV, we can now you know change people's lives by getting involved. And mm-hmm. it's that's a great feeling, Matthew. So I don't care how much criticism I ever get. You know, I'm no by helping people and change. I'm changing people's lives with giving up my time, as we all do, which is great. Fantastic. Topic number two? Yeah. So we're recording this a day after the incredible news broke that Cameron Bancroft was caught by TV cameras taking what he said was yellow tape out of his trouser pockets before rubbing the ball. Captain Steve Smith admitted in an extraordinary press conference that this had been discussed by the leadership group, so it's premeditated. What is our take on what can only be described as cheating, what should happen next. Fred, what's your perspective on this? Because it's probably the biggest story in cricket for, for months. It is, and how sad is that? How, how, how <laughs> Take sad... the pressure off England getting that ball out for yeah, 58. Yeah. But how, how sad is that? The biggest story in cricket is some lad's got a bit of tape in his pants and he's rubbing his balls. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. It, you, know, you know what? It, it, it's a bizarre story. Mm-hmm. I hate the fact that something like this then gets cricket in the public eye rather than actually cricket standing on its own two feet. Mm. Um, you know, when it comes to this, I'm not I'm not going to condone what the Australians have done or condone cheating. But I think now's the time to address quite a few things because you talk about ball tampering and some of the things that we did, whether it be putting sweets on the ball or throwing it into the dirt to affect it or squeezing it in a one-day game so they can't hit it as far. You know, this is completely different in the fact he's taken something out onto the pitch to affect the ball and I don't understand what's gone on in the dressing room but I think this is a, a time now where everything needs addressing you have a ball tampering or you're not ball tampering let's draw a line and start moving on um, I, I'm, I'm a bit mixed on it to be honest because what happens in cricket you get a story like this and it's an opportunity for everyone to get the knickers in a twist and everyone to start saying oh this that and the other and because it's the Aussies and Steve Smith, it's very easy to jump all over it and, and people will. Mm-hmm. Um, I've probably not got as big a problem with it as a lot of people. Really? I, yeah, I'm I'm torn a little bit. Yeah. I, I think it's very thick. I think it, I think the yeah. most it's embarrassing yeah. more than anything for the people who are involved. And mm-hmm. it's absolutely thick. You don't realise there's a camera on every angle now. There's cameras all over the place, there's yeah. slow-mos. There's, there's commentators. And I think what it's that, what, it, what the argument then, not an argument, but I think the debate is to what extent are you cheating? Yep. Because we've heard all types of stories about ball tampering, and ball tampering is a vague one. Yeah. 
Because you want the ball either very shiny to swing or you want one side very rough to reverse swing. Mm -hmm. So what that means to the layman is the ball swings. Yeah. Right? So there's all different ways in which you can do it. You know, I remember years ago, we got accused of putting sweets on the ball. Yeah, I remember that. So we'd be sucking on Murray mints and then getting it in your saliva, rubbing the ball and getting it shinier. So it'll swing. So it does swing. Is that ball tampering? Mm. Is that wait? Is that ball tampering? I don't. I don't know. Well, sal saliva has been used for, since the beginning of cricket, right? To get it's the been, ball. Saliva has been used since the beginning of time, Matthew. Right. <laughs> not, not, not with Murray mints. We've always had it. But the Murray mints is the additional thing, right? Yeah, and Murray mints, sun cream, lip sew on your lips. Really, all these things that can somehow get onto the ball. Mm -hmm. um, to get it to reverse swing as well. If you watch a game of cricket, the players now. On the end, on the ends of the pitches where the ball's foot marks are, and you got old pitches, they're usually quite really dry and coarse. Mm -hmm. So the rules of the game really in, should throw the ball onto the foot into the wicketkeeper's glove so it doesn't bounce. You watch them; they're fizzing them into these rough ends to try and change the, the shape of the ball. Yeah, right. Is that ball tampering? In one day of cricket, the white ball used to go softer, quicker. So you start off, you got a brand new ball; it's hard. So in like limited overs or twenty twenty. It comes off the bat a lot quicker, so you can hit it harder. So the key in a 50-over game was to get the ball as soft as possible. Mm -hmm. So the second half, yeah. it's harder to hit and sticks on the bat. I used to squeeze it. You could squeeze it and you could get a bit of a thing on it. And if you watch a lot, the lads have two hands pushing it in together. So all these things have gone on wow. all over time. And I think it's now an opportunity to address everything because it's actually listening to you where do you draw the line if i was to say yes or what's no game, what's gamesmanship what what's gaining them little what's them gains and this is what we've seen is cheating there's no there's no two ways about it he's cheated mm -hmm. i think my point is at what extent does yep. it become cheating okay well let me let's do a few yes or no's so using saliva which has been used in cricket. You can't not since do. Okay, that's fine. What about using saliva when you've been sucking on a Murrayman? If you were making the depends, rule... Depends, depends. If I've got bad breath. <laughs> um... <laughs> well, I, I... What about sun cream? How would you feel about that? You know, you've, well, you've... I, I, I'm part ginger. I don't want to burn. <laughs> well, exactly. So it's inevitable. You're going to have some on your hands, and if you're rubbing the ball, it's going to end up on the ball. Yeah, and on, on purpose. It's, it's not so much sun cream. It's more the, the lips. I was... Yeah. Matthew, let's do it right here. Is is Steve Smith's job now untenable? Because for me, the the ball tampering, okay, they've tried to get away with they've got caught. But knowingly doing it, mm. am I right to say that the, the captain and the senior people knew they were going to do it? Yeah, they did, they discussed it in what is apparently called the leadership group. I think I think that, yeah, the lead. That's the, the that for me. This is, this this is, I think this is the thing more than anything is yep. the fact that it's not a subtlety of your sun cream. It's not a subtlety no. of sucking on a mint. Mm. It's actually they've had a meeting and they've sat down and they've thought, you know, it's a really good idea here. Let's gain an advantage. Wait, was it was it sandpaper? Was it tape? Coarse tape? Some yellow tape, apparently. But whatever it is, let's get some of that and mm. let's get it out there. Which which I find the most staggering part. Yeah. If you if they're gonna do it. Don't have a leadership group. Just have a quiet word. <laughs> who's who's at fault, Matthew? Here, do you think? Do you think it's the is it Bancroft, the guy who actually done it? No. Is it? For me, it's a power Steve dynamic. You have got Steve Smith and the leadership group, the experienced players who have hatched the plan. Apparently, Bancroft was near them at the time the plan was hatched, and then they bring him in 
to say you now have to go in front of the cameras of the world with the risk to your reputation, the person in the firing line, and you have to do it. And he accepted their edict that he should go out and do what he did. He said in the press conference he was really nervous because he knew the amount of scrutiny on test cricket and there was a risk that he would be discovered. So I agree with Fred completely that stupidity is absolutely something that can be levelled at the Australians. I also think that in the grey areas, this is black and white, this is clearly cheating. But what, what struck me, Fred, about what you were saying, I don't know if you agree, Rob, that you know you can sort of think of the psychology here. People are saying, OK, we're using saliva. We've been sucking sweets, you know, a bit of sun cream or a bit of lip balm on the hands and you can put that in, no one really says anything. We're throwing the ball in at the crease and it's hitting the rough patch and that's roughing it up. And they're probably thinking, given that we've been pushing all the way into these grey areas, maybe we can go that step further. Doesn't legitimate it at all. It's still completely out of order. And by the way, it's not just the English and other nations who are saying that it's out of order. The Australian press have been absolutely larruped, Steve Smith, and they're saying he should resign. But I think it's interesting here, Fred's perspective, that there are a lot of grey areas in the entire issue of, of ball tampering. There, there isn't. You rightly say this is not a grey area. This is, we say it before, this is just blatant cheating. But I think it's a time to address all that, let some certain things go and get on with it. Yeah. But the, the staggering thing, which to me I still can't get my head around, is who thought in a meeting... Yeah. A, I hate these little terms for little groups of people, the leadership group, bummy neck. <laughs> It's like, come on, it's not middle management. It's, it's, we're not, let's get on with it. Who, who thinks, you know what, it's a good idea, this. This is a brilliant idea. Yeah, we'll take something out onto the pitch where we can rough the ball up. That That is the one thing that is staggering. But th- Fred, do you, can you imagine a situation? This is an unbelievably acrimonious series, right? They don't like each other at all. The two teams have been at each other's throats. There's been a ton of sledging. Can you imagine any circumstances where you're in the bubble You've completely lost perspective. You're with a couple of other players and you're thinking, how can we beat these so-and-sos? And And you've come up... (laughs) These so-and-sos? Wow. (laughs) Wow. You come up with with a plan... That in the cold light of day, you would never, ever dream of... Have you ever been in a situation? No. No, No, but but you say in the cold light of day, what... The cold light, you're in a meeting, you're probably in a hotel room in a five star hotel. Yeah, it's true. not like you're making a decision about how to escape from Alcatraz. You know, <laughs> you, you, you're in an hotel room. I just yeah. can't, I can't understand yeah. the thought process that Australia, right? This is Australia. We're not talking about, you know, some, some noddy team who can't win a game and they need to find something to do. You're talking about Australia, the beat yep. is all winter. They reckon they're so good, they play so fur. We'll push the boundaries yeah. and we'll have a go at people, but we never cross the line. Yeah. How, who's, who's thought this is a good idea? Yeah. When did Australia become so inferior, mm. so unconfident to mm-hmm. think? Against South Africa, mm-hmm. these aren't a good team, these South Africans. Line them up. Yeah. They're not a great team. They think we are this desperate that we now have to start bringing things out onto the pitch why in your pocket to scratch the ball? Not long ago, everyone's going on about Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins mm. and the fast bowlers, how great they are. Yeah. Well, now this puts everything else. This questions everything. Do, do when the think, ball was reverse yeah, swinging yeah, dead right. in Australia this winter, were they scratching it? Did they have yeah. some yellow tape on the fingers? Did they have a, something in the underpants? Mm-hmm. No. Cast, it cast an incredibly long shadow. And I, that was exactly the thought that jumped into my mind. What was going on? Have they done it before? Was there a precedent? And also, I wonder whether or not the shadow that's cast over Australian cricket... Steve Smith, what a fantastic player. Brilliant batsman. If he resigns, 
would have been an extraordinary thing that 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 one judgment, that terrible, terrible judgment call, could be the thing that stays with. Do you, I mean, do you think as that's a journalist, going... but as a journalist, then yeah. Matthew, you know, we talked about Jamie Carragher a couple of weeks ago, yeah, didn't good we? Point, yeah. You know, I'd sooner get done for scratching a ball than gobbing on someone's yeah. head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm with you, but we were talking about you know, should these people keep their job? So you're talking about Steve Smith resigning. Should should he should he resign, Matthew, as a journalist? And you were writing a piece on it. Do you think is it him? Is it the leadership group? Who should take the blame for this? And what should the consequences be as a journalist? Well, I think it's interesting this, Rob, because the Prime Minister of Australia has come out and said that. It's been a Smith... quiet week in Australia, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's is, true. Is that the best yeah, thing? that's the thing. That's... Uh, but actually, but don't you think, Fred? It shows that Australian cricket is one of the most important yeah, cultural national institutions. Pride. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the ways they developed their national self-esteem. You know, beating the old colonial master. I mean, it's a massive issue for them. I think in cultural terms, and it's not just the, the prime minister, the sports minister. So they're now pressuring cricket Australia. To, I mean, he probably will have either resigned or have been sacked by the time that listeners are, are listening to this podcast. You think he will, Matthew? Yeah. I do. And, I, and I, to be honest, Rob, I think it is the right thing to do because often you make a mistake and you can learn from it. And I'm sure he'll learn from this. But he knew at the time he did it, this was a black and white issue. He so was going Who has the final say then, Fred? Is it the, is it the, the boss or is it the captain? Could the, could the captain have said no? Stop banging table. Yeah, sorry. I'm, yeah, sorry. <laughs> could the captain have said no? Um... Well, ultimately, the decision is Bancroft's. Mm. I'm not doing it. Yeah, true. Yeah, but the pressure on you, as Matthew said, he said he felt nervous. If he'd have said, no, I'm not doing it, but, what but I, 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 I just can't fathom the conversation that's got... I'm trying to get my head around the conversation. Yeah. So one thing... Great point. As adults, as experienced cricketers, as a coach, as a captain, this is a good idea. To then have this conversation with the lad Bancroft, go to him and say... You know, we've we got this plan. Will you do it? Knowing full. How many caps has Bancroft had, um, Matthew? Do you know? Is, it, is he a youngster in the side? As he's, I'm not he's, he's, he's pretty. He's pretty good. But then what happens is, them sort of things will get lumped on the young player. Yeah. You know, I, I used to, as a 17 year old, I remember I played a game and Matthew Hayden was playing against us for Hampshire and he got 90 odd overnight. And it was agreed in a team meeting by the Lancashire lads and these were like all the older players that someone should start sledging him. And everyone pointed at me because I was the youngest. So I had a right crack at him. Really? Um, but you, you're under pressure to do it. But well, I they, I, they said that you had to... I mean, weren't you well, in the least powerful position to make a sledge really impact upon him? Yeah, but nobody else wanted to do it. So right. it, was, it, was back in, it was back in the days yeah. of um, junior player, you do as you're told. So yeah. I fielded at Silly Point and called him all sorts. And he got out. Um, <laughs> so everyone thought it was great. He's only played seven tests, Bancroft. If he'd have been a more experienced player... You know, and a made hundreds and made fifties. Do you know, he, he might have said, "Well, I'm not doing that because he's only Stop played." Banging your foot now. No. Keep still. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to picture when I was a youngster and I was yeah. and I was, you know, not a regular in a team. And somebody said, and a, and the captain and the, and the manager and and the the chairman come up to me and said, "Listen, Robbie, will you do this?" I'd have probably thought, "Yeah, I'll do it." Has it, has it ever happened? Where they've said, "Go out there." But football's a bit. To... Football's different, isn't it? Because you know, we talk about cheating. You know, diving. I think that is an that is a spur of the moment thing. On that moment, you know, the only thing, I can't I can't liken it in football to anything. Well, what about a, a manager saying to you? I mean, imagine Mark Hughes, your hero, yeah. had said to you, "There's a player in the opposition team." 
He's really dangerous. I want you to go out and boot him hard early. Either get him off the pitch or do something that's going to compromise his ability to hurt us. Has that ever happened to you? Because we hear that in dressing rooms, there's stuff that is discussed that isn't necessarily within the rules, but gets you an unfair advantage. Would you have taken it on board? See, a manager would never go out and say, go and hurt somebody. That has never happened to me, personally. Um, Mm -hmm. A manager would say, you know, you're playing against... What did he say? Let him know you're around. Yeah, let him know you're there. Yeah, yeah let him know you're there. But, you know, Matthew, on, on the football field, if I had an opportunity to play with my opponent, I could win the ball fairly and smash him at the same time. That's what I would do. Um, I would never intentionally go out to hurt somebody, but, of course, I would try and gain every advantage. But every advantage you would suggest is not premeditated in football. Okay, but let me ask you this then. Imagine, have you ever been in the team, in a dressing room, where somebody has dived? So that's you agree that's cheating. If, if there's no With contact... no contact, right, I think. Let's that, say yeah. no contact, a player's gone down. You know, Michael Owen did it for England. Now, retrospectively, you get into the dressing room. Would a manager at that point say what you did was wrong? Or if the manager doesn't say anything about it, he's implicitly giving you the freedom to do it next time. It's kind of... A dynamic of cheating. It's completely different, though, to, to doing what? Why? It's a good, it's a good, why, why, is it, why, why is it completely because, different? If you so, just fall on the floor and you've yeah. had no contact... You, so, no, hang okay, on. Yeah. No, you, yeah. you fall on the floor, you get no contact, yeah. and I've seen them do it. They're pathetic. Yeah. And everyone runs over congratulating him for falling on the floor and winning the penalty. You must, And then he, he takes it. You've cheated. You've taken an unfair advantage, you win the game. What's the difference? Yeah, because when we talked about this before, Robbie, you've you've tried to say that if it isn't premeditated... Why are you getting all aggressive with me? (laughs) He's got this look on his face, he's all aggressive. Who, Fred? He hasn't slept for three days. I'm so tired. (laughs) Yeah, so don't get aggressive with me. Um, Matthew, you must... Why? It's completely... Well, I'll tell you you for why. So... Why? That is a team meeting. So in a team meeting... In a team meeting, it's about to say, if you get in box, dive. um, What? Team meeting in football, of course but, you do. But, but you mentioned not, diving, of course you do. But you imagine, OK. Come on, Robbie Savage. You, yeah. you know as well as I do, Matthew, football is instinctive. And if you're running it's to the... You're, diving is predetermined. It's not, it's not. How if can it not be when you don't get a split second, if you're running to the box at full speed, Matthew, and the mm-hmm. keeper comes charging out, oh. and then you're you're anticipating contact, and you, you think, right, he's going to... He's gonna, Touch me here. I'm going to avoid the challenge and then collapse my legs. That is a pre. That 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 is not like to dive. Two hours before saying, right, I'm telling you what you do. Every time you get into the box, dive. So I got all right then. So the diving, aren't you? You saying it's a dive? What? This, you're saying it's a dive. If, if you're saying you're saying that is a, what you've just explained. You've then described as a dive. But there's different types. No, oh, no. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. 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 So why don't you predetermine? Why don't you say we're not going to dive? It's exactly. cheating. Exactly. So if you can decide you're going to go through all that rigmarole, which yeah. is obviously not predetermined, but you've just described it very eloquently. Yeah. But it's it, it's not it's yeah. not predetermined. It's predetermined. So you can predetermine not but to it's dive. It's completely different. You, Think about it, you, you call footballers thick all the time. How thick are these Australians to do what they've done? Rob, so don't Rob. call footballers thick. Yeah, I, I'm under no dispute. But they're still clever than the footballers, but this is thick. <laughs> well, uh, this, they're Australian uh, there's cricketers. Question, there's big question marks now. They're Australian cricketers. They're not designed to be clever. And we've seen here, haven't we? They're designed to be useful. But Matthew, you can't say diving is the same as doing what Australia's no, done, but what surely. I, what I am saying... Cheating. What? What I am saying... So this is cheating. like one of my lines to the, in the play. Oh, not to it. You're cheating. <laughs> so I say on stage. Look, I'll tell you what, Robbie. If a manager said to a player, you dive, there's no contact, and you go down, you're not going to play for this team again, that premeditation 
sorry, that spontaneity that you're saying happens when people dive, it would suddenly miraculously disappear. And but, I think Fred's but, right. But, but, but that's, that, that, that's what nonsense, happened, I think That's nonsense, because you imagine, think you of the imagine, social dynamic, you imagine Pep Guardiola yep. saying to Kevin De Bruyne, saying, I tell you what, if you dive, you're never going to play for me ever again. A commodity who's worth hundred and fifty right, million right, quid. That, that, that may be a little bit extreme, yeah, but yeah, the so there you go. You can't, well, you can't. It's across the board. You so you've what? got an Altrincham player or a or a Bristol Rovers player or a Wrexham player, and the manager says, "Stop banging what, your foot." Tell you what, if you dive, you're never going to play for me again. It's a difference between Jose Mourinho saying to Lukaku, "Tell you what, if you dive, you're never going to play for me ever again." It's, it's, okay, it's let, me put it, let me put it in a different way, Rob. It's a nonsense, let, let's say, it's let's, a nonsense argument, Matthew. Okay, okay. I would as a, a, do you know what? As a, do you know what? Argument. I would as a coach, if I, I, I can't, even though I mentioned before about some of the things you, you play around with the rules a little bit, is that this, as a coach, to have this conversation with the player being on it, is... I, I, if you've got the England job, just... Okay, we've talked about banging I know, your Sorry, foot. sorry. Are we getting aggressive <laughs> with you? So, you were the England coach. You get the job. Yeah. Where is the line when you're the coach mm. to say, if where's the line? Where's the line in terms of cheating in cricket? In cheating? If you edge it and you know you edge it and there's yeah. no VAR, are you, st- are you not walking? I didn't walk, so I, I wouldn't tell anyone to walk. So, there you go. So, that's cheating. So, you, you're advocating cheating if you were a coach? I, it's it's not cheating. Well, then, well, so, well there, where you go then? Well, if you let me finish, I'll tell okay, you. Okay. It's not cheating because there's a there's a bloke there to make a decision. The, the, you shout, how is that? I don't know why. And everyone turns <laughs> around and looks at a bloke in an ice cream man suit. <laughs> and then he either sticks his finger up which to gesture, which is the wrong finger for the gesture he needs to make. <laughs> <laughs> and then you stand there and let him make his decision. Oh, that's a fair point. But surely morally, you should, if you've edged it, you should go. Well, morally, it's probably it's probably on a par with diving. So you're the coach oh, now. Co- it is complex. You're, okay, you're the coach of Australia now. Yeah. What would you do with Steve Smith? But also as well, this is where you miss also another point to it. You were going to say missing a point, yeah. No, not missing a point. Is where it's it's not as embarrassing to be honest with you. You got to live with yourself, just falling on the floor as a grown man. You what? Know, at least if at least if you if you like miss it and you get or you hit it, you don't get given out. You don't have to go through the indignity of rolling around <laughs> as if you're in agony in front of yeah, forty thousand people and millions on TV. Well, I can't wait to see you in sport relief, Mark, Mark and Usain Bolt. I'm commentator on that on ITV, and I'm going to abs every time you go near and you fall over, you're getting it. Well, I'm gonna, why am I going to fall over? Well, you're going to be chasing Usain Bolt. I won't be chasing him. He won't be going past me. Oh, right. With or without the ball. Oh, really? Right. <laughs> but if you were... So, you Rob, know, did, I saw him last time. Did his hamstring? I'll catch him. Yeah, go on, Matthew. I was going to say, don't you think the social diner... I agree with you. The manager's never going to say to a player, you dive and you're never going to play again. But my sense is, t- tell me if this is wrong, that in football dressing rooms and on the terraces, if an opposition player dives, people are all over them. Disgraceful, absolutely horrible. And somebody their own when, team does it. Yeah, often. <laughs> like when Owen did it for England and you went down, we hardly ever discussed that episode of what was effectively, I think, cheating. But, but I, we do talk about... Ma- so in other words, my, my, okay. I, I think in a, in a dressing room, if a manager doesn't really go after a player who's cheated when it benefits the team... That is implicitly okay, condoning the... But what, what Fred was saying, I agree with too, that it, it, it's unbelievably complex. So Michael Owen said on, a, on, a, on BT, the score show I'm on, he told the story, and just check this, you know, so it's true, 
<laughs> well, it's true. I was there. Um, Michael <laughs> Owen said about Kalina was referring in that in a game. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was what? What? Kalina. That it was a Pierre f- Luigi. So in that Argentina game, Michael Owen went into the box. There was contact. He didn't go down, and he he said it should have been a penalty. Mm-hmm. And he looked at the referee Kalina, and Kalina said, "Michael, you know you have to go down." So that's why the next time he went to the box, the, under the challenge, which was very, very, very slight, he went down and get, got given a penalty. But, so you've got referees saying to yeah. go down. But stop bagging your foot. The, the other thing was, um, <laughs> I've been tying myself, I, I just listening back to what we're talking about, I've been tying myself in knots on this subject. Yeah. And this is a strange thing because you talk about diving, which I think is pathetic, and it is on a par with not walking when you hit it, you're bending the rules. Um, so I'm tying myself as a nut. So getting back to my original point about whether you put mints on the ball or throw the ball around yep. in the outfield, mm-hmm. it's more word, word you draw. You, this needs to be addressed in full. In the rules. And it's, it's all right, everyone getting the knickers in a twist and pointing the finger at Australians, but it's been going on for a long time now. Let's address every every part of this. But the, the thing I just, I, I still can't get my head around. So what you're the, saying, ball tampering well, is ball tampering. <laughs> no. Ball tampering is ball tampering, whatever level. Yeah, there's, de- you know what I mean? there's morally probably degrees, but it's it's not you have a ball tampering or you're, you're not. not. It's not because you've got a mint in your mouth and you're putting it on the ball, it's fine. But then a fella can't scratch it with a piece of whatever he's got in his pocket. You know, because morally one's worse than the other. You have a ball tampering or you aren't ball tampering. But where do you? I yeah, mean, I know you mean, yeah. If you were now on, on the rule-making committee... Yeah, I wouldn't uh, be, would I? Let's be <laughs> no, but if I've, you got, are, I've got better but, things but to if do. You are, good question, you, this one. You, you're going to allow people to rob the ball against their trousers, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, you're going to allow that. You're going to allow them to use their saliva? Yeah. Okay. Would you allow them to put sun cream? Actually, you can't... How can not, you stop it? You, you can't, can't tell exactly. people not to wear sun cream. Exactly. And you can't tell them not to wear lip balm. No, you can tell them not to chew gum or suck mints. But I, 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 I don't know, to be honest. But the, the thing is about this, game back to the Australian, I just can't understand the conversation that has gone on. Which, who, yeah. Darren Lehman, who, don't get me wrong, I'm a massive fan of both as a player, as a person, which even surprises me more. I said when he got the job and over the past couple of years, I think he's been a breath of fresh air for cricket. Mm. Everyone goes down this route of hiring a certain type of coach, and this is how you should behave. Where he's just come and done it his own way, give you know power back to the players in some ways. He's he believes in him, he speaks passionately. So for him to do this is bonkers. Bancroft, I feel a little bit sorry for as well mm-hmm. um, that he's been put up in front of the press. He's got to talk about it. The coach wasn't with him. The captain was there. And he's in a press conference not knowing what he should say. Should I get people into hot water with me? Should I take it on the chin for the mm. team? What should I do? And he's a young lad, not played too much. On the other side of it is where I've got no sympathy was during the Ashes when there's a little bit of a scuffle, scuffle with Johnny Burstow. Mm. He was milking the life out of it. Yeah. How is it now, son? How are you getting on yeah. there, lad? Yeah. Um, does it matter, Does it matter, Matthew? This is a question on Fred. So if Steve, you're saying Steve Smith should resign, yeah? I do, I, do you know what? I'm so. Does it matter? I see. This is a big question. Or should he be sacked? Does it m- matter the standing you have in that side? Because Steve Smith is the captain, and the best player. Are they not cutting their nose off to spite their face if they sack him because he is their best player? Is it? Does it? If that was a lesser, lesser player who was the captain, yeah, mm. would they get rid of him because it's easier too and he's not such a big name? I, 
What do you think? For, I, I don't think that they're going to get rid of Steve Smith out of the side. I think he'll lose the captaincy because in cricket, that is a big deal. You're the, you're the leader of the team. You're supposed to set the example. I think in the rules of cricket, it says that if a player misbehaves, the captain is ultimately responsible. So I think yeah, he's going to well, lose the captaincy. Um, I, I, I hate to say it. I, I, I just don't think you can carry on. You can't carry on. I, I just think I don't think you can. He's captain. If I, the coach is in a tricky situation as well, you remember yeah. years ago Michael Addison did it. He had dirt. Yeah. He had yeah. dirt in his pocket, and he spread it on the ball to try and dry it, to try and get it reverse swinging. So he, it was a, his foot is like this, and he put his hand in his pocket, he pulled it out, and he gave it the ball a rubby a bit of dirt. So, did he? Yeah, and that was massive news at the yeah, time, was, and he, yeah. he had press hounding him, and that's lived with him now for the rest of his career. Like Michael, Arthur, I didn't know with that. Dirt in his pocket. Well, well maybe, Michael hasn't done that. Yeah, maybe he didn't live with him then. But he, wow, it was, it was big news. Mm. Um, so Steve Smith is now the lad who's the captain who let one of his players cheat. Bancroft, a bit of lad who had that stuff in his pocket. But, and Lehman, the coach. I, I was Michael Athens captain at the time. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So he yeah. took upon himself to do it. So this yeah. is different, isn't it? Slightly because at least Michael Atherton. And in, took it in, upon himself. In, to in, do all, it. in all fairness to others, and this is a person, he took it on the chin. Yeah. Everybody else involved yeah. just yeah. took it. I've made a mistake. I did it, and I plenty of respect for that. Mm. I think in some ways the Aussies, they put him up in these press conferences, and it's who said, she said, he said. Why don't you just say, you know what, we've done it, haven't we? I'm, we're sorry. We've, we've made a we've made a grave error. Mm. Yeah. Take a Donald Trump tactic. Yeah. You know, just front it out. Mm. And There's no way he can carry on as captain for me. No way. Should he? But he should play again for Australia, Matthew. Yeah, He's going to play so. again for Australia. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, of course he is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, especially now because it's the, the prime ministers involved and everyone. Heads are going to roll, aren't they? How damaging is this for Australia in, in the sporting context? I don't think it'll affect the economy. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the pound has got stronger in the past few days, <laughs> Matthew. I think it. I think it's. Very, very significant for Australia. I mean, obviously, it's not as big as an economic recession, but I I think the image of Australia... Freddie got to the heart of it earlier. Australians like to think of their sports teams, their cricket team, as tough but fair. They know how to go up to the line. They know how to exploit every legal advantage, but they don't cross it. You know, that all started with Alan Border, rugged captain. We are going to do everything we can to win. That sort of square-jawed Australian iconography, I think, is very powerful in the culture. The idea that they were prepared in a premeditated way to ask a junior member of the team to clearly flout the rules, I think, has massive repercussions for the way that Australia think about themselves and about their sporting icons. Just on that though you, you say Australia think of themselves I think sometimes when it's come to sport and it's come to cricket the moral compass has been a little bit skewed yeah what they think is acceptable and right I'm not quite sure at times and Australians have always been oh we'll, we'll dish it out but then people come back at us mm. and we'll whinge South Africa have mixed it up with them and they don't like it all of a sudden the Aussies are whinging oh this that and the other but on the flip side of that is you can see how bad they think this is when the outcry is on their own team. Just, Australia just, attempted a lot of times to be all yeah. poor us, but we're fine. We, we don't cross the mark. Yeah. Well, you do, lads, to be honest. You've done it for years and years and years, and now you're, you're getting found out. Just last word on that, Fred. Are you talking about pushing the boundaries in terms of the sledging, the nastiness on yeah. pitch? Yeah, just them words all the time. And yeah. The South Africans have gone back at the likes of yeah. David Warner. He doesn't yeah. like it. Yeah, fascinating. Um, however, I've used, not used that word for quite a while, but However, I'll put one in there. Um, this 
has affected everyone. And imagine Australia now, this would be big news. The public will hate it because Australians think they're the best. They think they're the strongest. They think they're the best cricket team in the world. And to think, actually, we've had to cheat to beat South Africa mm. aren't that good. That is a massive kick in the nuts. Five Live Boxing. Hello, Steve Bunce here from the Five Live Boxing Podcast with Costello and Bunce. We'll have you back to Fred, Sav and Saeed in a minute. Do we not call him the ping pong guy anymore? Anyway, our pod this week comes live. Well, not actually live because we've already recorded it, but recorded live from Anthony Joshua's gym here in Sheffield as he gets ready to take on Joseph Parker this weekend. That's the big man you can hear right now working the pads. We've got all the build-up for you this week with new podcasts on Monday, Wednesday and Friday before our mega post-fight analysis pod recorded in the middle of the night, by the way, on Saturday, ready for you to listen to as soon as you wake up on Sunday morning. Download or subscribe now. Just search Costello and Bunce. This is Five Live Sports. Our next topic is based around England's 58 all-out against New Zealand, sixth lowest score in Test history. At one point, they were 27 for nine. So what are the beatings we've suffered? How did we come back? Did we deal well with the humiliation? What were we thinking at the time it happened? So humiliation, Rob, do you want to go first? Have you ever played in a double figures game? Has there there ever been one? Um, No, not, well, not when I played it, no. Um, do you remember Man United beat Ipswich 9-0, I think it was, Fred, in the Premier League? Mm-hmm. Um, what was the biggest you played in? Lost 6-0 home to Aston Villa. And the worst thing for me was, and this is where humiliation... So you imagine, you're, Martin O'Neill was my, one of my first managers, massive inspiration in my career, in my life. Went from a boy to a man, you know, under his tutorship... Um, good word, eh? Good word, yeah. Um, but you started growing pubes when you played for Martin O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> did he do water him whatever <laughs> whatever gone um, so you imagine you were you know flying under him winning I won a trophy under him you know I was I got really well with him I was man of the matches under him and then he <laughs> was under him a lot <laughs> just start this again get all no, the, no, you, no leave it no, leave no. it yeah so is that how you got your game and then he goes to Celtic and then he goes to Celtic and obviously he got Neil Lennon from Leicester. You know, there was rumours that Muzzy Is it was going was gonna to go there too. But I was never mentioned to go to Celtic. I probably wouldn't have, um, you know, because I, I love playing the Premier League, testing myself every single week. Um, and then when I went to Derby in the Premier League season, when we were the worst team with 11 points, Aston Villa were coming to, to Pride Park under mm. Martin O'Neill. And you imagine that you've gone from this player who he's seen every single week dominating games massive influence on the side to this derby side where I must say I was woeful and thinking that in what way just confidence couldn't control the ball couldn't pass it didn't win it was hiding crowd on your back and then you get beat 6-0 at home by Martin O'Neill's side and you've got a look at the guy in the eye and he must have thought what has happened to you Sav what has happened and you're trying to make excuses, but you know, you know, re- re- realistically, that wow, I've just been humili- humiliated by Aston Villa, but more importantly, against the guy who I looked up to was a massive influence in my career, and he must have thought, wow, what's happened to him? How and did that, you build back up from there? From well, that I, low point? I, well, I didn't because he got pr- 
worse. We, we ended up with 11 points, but then I, obviously I went out on loan to Brighton and then, you know, come back to Derby when Paul Jewell left the club and then rebuilt under, under Nigel Clough. Um, there was another point when Fabregas nutmegged me in the corner at the, um, at the Emirates. Um, they were they were five two up. But you know when something like that happens, is it embarrassing? Um, when you yeah. get is it is that like in football if you get megged by someone? Yeah. Is that is that like So it was three two with a minute with about a minute left and then the injury time board went up was four or five minutes. And we just hit the bar to go three three. And then they scored another and another and it was five two. And then he's keeping the ball in the corner. I thought, oh, I'm just, I was just marking him. The game was over. And they turned around, nutmeg me. And then I remember smirking. I remember on Matter Day that night, it showed me smirking. I thought, I'm laughing here. People are going to think, think I'm laughing at him, nutmegging me in the corner. And it was humiliating. <laughs> you imagine that? Because I, I never got on with Fabregas. You know, I tried to kick him off the park every time I played against him. What a wonderful player. Great energy, great skill. You know, but to get nutmegged at 5 2. And then, you know, it was another. Was that was that, like more or less humiliating than putting a Blackburn shirt on every week? Only because you're from Preston. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was great times. So I was, you know, I've been humiliated a lot. Humiliated when I got um, you know, the footage of the Justin Edinburgh thing. Humiliating for mm. me, you know, um, coming out time after time. You know, because when you do things in your career which you regret later, you know, you're in a good position to talk about them, but. Can so, for instance, now if somebody goes down injured and fakes it, and I'm talking about it, is that hypocritical? Is that mm. insight? Mm. You know, you're be, doing your job. You're talking about because it. I've done it. Because I've done it, so I can't really hammer anybody, can I, Matthew, for going down? No, I know what you mean. Because I've it? done it myself. Yeah, and I've done most things myself. And it comes back, doesn't it? Because people yeah. they have the highlights real, and whenever they talk about Robbie Savage, some of the embarrassing stuff that you've done. Well, some of the things that you yeah. most want to forget are going to be and this resurrected. Is going to, this is going to be thing... difficult for Jamie Carragher when he comes back. Oh, is it, uh, that's going to be a shadow yeah. that's going to be there forever. But the problem but... is now in a Google world, it goes nowhere. Exactly. Is it? I said to my kids, exactly. just to ignore the first two pages if you Google me. The good thing about so we're talking about coming back. Sorry, mm-hmm. Matthew. So Gary Neville, when he went to Valencia, mm-hmm. you know, got humiliated in against Barcelona, and people said. You know, humiliation as a manager. Can he come back and be a pundit? Yeah. Well, he's come back and he's been magnificent. Tell you what, though. That and he's a... learned from... And this yeah. he's had a go of being a manager. Yeah. And he's got the insight and the knowledge to what it takes to be a manager. Do you know what I mean? Even though he wasn't very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's be honest. But credit to him for coming back. Because people were saying, well, how can he be a pundit? Yeah. Well, of course he can. Because his knowledge of playing football and now his knowledge, knowledge of being a manager for a short period of time... It's brilliant, and I think, he's, I think he's yeah. a better pundit now than when he left to go to Valencia. Which goes to show, if you're humiliated, it can sometimes give yeah. you the raw material yeah. to build up and, and to learn stuff. I mean, really, yeah, but it'd be different with Carragher, though. It's one thing being yeah, a manager true, and coming true. back. Everybody yeah. will be walking around with umbrellas when they see him. Probably wear anyway. All right, <laughs> in your in your cricket career, you, you've been saying that often. If you were at a real low point, you quite liked it because you, you yeah, wanted. To... Well, you got you got used to it. I played cricket for England. Um, yeah, we we got embarrassed quite a few times. I remember, you know, one of the first times I was embarrassed on a cricket pitch was as a nine year old. Um, yeah. I was playing for Lancashire Under Elevens at Liverpool at Egbeth. Uh-huh. It was getting late in the day. 
I was stood at slip and I needed a wee. I was desperate for a wee. And I didn't ask the umpire if I could go off. You know when you're in class at school yeah. and it's like, oh, could I ask him for the toilet because you're not sure if he'll let you go? I thought it was like that. So I stood in the slips. I got my legs wide open. I got my hands on my knees. And he's coming into the ball and I just weed. And I was just weeding. The weed was like yellow on my whites and things like that on the floor. I felt so embarrassed. I was so upset. To be fair, you do that when you were 36 in the bar and press and all. That stayed with you. It's a weed. Oh, I was embarrassed. Did you get hammered? Uh, well, yeah, you got hammered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was only nine, Matthew. <laughs> I, was, I was only nine. Um, so yeah, that was that. And then there's been there's been a few times as, as a cricket you're embarrassed. We, West Indies, we got bowled out for fifty odd. It, yeah, it happens yeah. so many times. The pedalo wasn't my finest hour. It was a little <laughs> bit embarrassing. So yeah, there, there are these things. But it's interesting you say we. England as a team used to pride themselves on the fact after an embarrassing performance, mm. we usually win the next one unless yeah. we're in Australia. Um, one of the other ones was we played at Headingley where Yorkshire played and you go there as a Lancashire player and it's one of the few times people watch county cricket and it's full and mm-hmm. everyone gets on your back and the Amia. But it's good fun. But then as an England player, you think you're going to get a better reception from the crowd. And to begin with, I didn't. My first two test matches at Headingley... The first one was against Africa. I got naught and naught in the game. So you, I got me, I got a purr. Yeah. Mm. Went there again two years later to play against India. Got naught and naught. I had two shocking decisions. So I got my Audi badge um, as zeros. And coming off the pitch then to the Yorkshire crowd, just oh. abusing yeah. me. Send him back. Send him back over that pen eyes. Get him back to your Lancashire. That lad is crap. So you're coming off and you're just getting hammered. And I never forget in the dressing room there was there used to be a sauna in the head in the dressing room. It wasn't a flash one, it was just like this wooden box. I just wanted to hide, so I sat in there and the sauna was on and I was sat there in my pads and my gloves and my helmet in a sauna in about hundred degrees, <laughs> just crying my eyes oh. out. I've got another duck head in there. Well I think it, it look I think it gives you more resilience. If if you have these moments if you actually take the risk of trying something new. Oh, like hang, being... hang on a minute, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. I know what you're doing here. You're about to plug a book, aren't you? No. You're about to... Oh, no. What is it? Dare to fail? Come on, Matthew. Well, Come on, got... tell us about your book. Well, this when, is when, pathetic. When I was in pathetic. primary school... No, I'm not no, mentioning Don't tell me a long story. You just want to plug your book. Get no, I'm not, gonna, I'm not mentioning a book. We're doing it as a topic on the next, next week, show. Next show. <laughs> um, I was in Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And right, I was... Matthew, we've got to stop right there. You was in it. Yeah. Sing it. Oh, I Come didn't on. have to say I only had a line. I you was know Jacob. This, you know the song, J- Jacob. You know the song, Joseph. Come on. I close my, my eyes. eyes. Go on. Draw back the curtains. Ah. To see for certain. Ah. What I thought I knew. And in. No, far, far away. Oh, far, yeah, gosh, yeah. Go Can't on. remember the next bit. Someone was weeping oh, while the world was sleeping. Oh, any hey. dream will do. A crash of lungs, <laughs> a flash of lights. My golden. Do you know anything popular as well? Do you know anything wicked? No, go on, carry on with your story. <laughs> go on, Matthew. So I was, ja- I was Jacob, and so I'm nine years old. My parents are there, my grandparents are there. Totally full. Aldrington Primary School, uh, main room. 
and I totally forgot my line. And I was really worried when I came off that There's only Dad. Only one line. I, I, yeah, with kids, I only had one line. It was something to do with. Can't exactly remember Jesus. what it was. It was <laughs> to do with Jesus. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, Fred, I, I was so worried that my dad would have a go at me. I thought he was really? going to say, "How could you possibly? You only had one line. How could you forget that? How could you embarrass?" And he smiled and he said, "You know what? It's fantastic. You gave it a go, son. It will get easier next time around." And that's what I think humiliation, you know, what's the worst that can happen? OK, so Neville failed at Valencia. He's now a fantastic pundit. You got bowled out against the West Indies. You recovered. You had a fantastic cricketing career. Imagine how bad it would be if you never put yourself right, in the then, line. Uh, all right, uh, yeah, I, I get that. But yeah. then it's all, I, I understand you don't get any runs. You forget your lines. Humiliation. Yeah. We've just been talking about Steve Smith and Bancroft. Yeah. How about that for humiliation? Yeah. You don't live that one down, do you? That's a moral thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's not a performance anxiety issue. It's not like you were shown wanting because you didn't quite deliver in the way you knew you could. That's where you made a decision to break the rules. I think that's more humiliating. I think that's a diff- more difficult thing to recover from. I've spoke, I spoke about on the year as well, about humiliation, haven't I? About training with the... Um... The academy at Derby when I was captain when I played 350 Premier League games and then obviously wasn't in the manager's plans and then was asked to train with the with the youth sides mm-hmm. you know going in every day and that was humiliating yeah. you know um, for me personally so to, to bounce back from that was 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 hard but it was it was amazing amazing to 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 think that you've you've got through stuff in your careers and then have come out better the other side it's probably made you a better broadcaster. Yeah, dealing with the abuse the, on Twitter. Yeah, Same for Fred. Yeah. How are you going to deal with the abuse when you get beaten by Robbie Savage at tennis, Matthew? It's not going to happen, uh, Fred. That will be humiliating. You've got to do that before the end of the series. That is not going to happen. Um, thank you, guys, and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the shows we've done to date, they're available to download at the Five Live website and all the usual podcast places. Please use the hashtag FredSavSide to get in touch through the week. If you could leave a review on iTunes and give us a rating, that would be great. We'll try and read some of the more creative ones out on a future pod. We're taking a break next week, but we'll be back in a fortnight at the same time. But for now, from all of us, goodbye. Flintoff, Savage and the Ping Pong Guy. Thank you for downloading the Flintoff, Savage and the Ping Pong Guy podcast. If you like what you hear, then why not have a look at what else five live podcasts have to offer at bbc.co.uk forward slash five live. With so many new podcasts, how do you find your next obsession? Try Pocket Cast, the free podcast app designed by listeners for listeners. With curated recommendations, discovery is easy and seamless. When you find something you like, just hit play. Find all your favorite shows, old and new, at pocketcast.com or find us in the Apple app or Google Play stores. 